We're back. Folks, it's week week two. Uh, Larry and BCB recorded a great episode, which is out on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, go listen to it there. Uh, apologize for not getting that out in advance. That's on me. Moving forward, we won't have that problem in the future. Uh, you have Scout Sounder on that. I'm not even sure if that's the right term. But BCB Law, how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, hanging in there, man. So uh, usually usually the last few years, if you follow the picks on Twitter, uh, we've kind of made it a habit to crush week one. And then uh, this, we crushed week zero, had more week zero plays than normal this year. Uh, week one, the ball did not bounce our way a couple of times. So <laughs> trying to rebound here going into uh, to week two, get back to positive on the year. Fair enough, fair enough. Larry, how about you? Uh, I mean, it was an awesome five days of college football. Yep. Um, I mean, Thursday was electric, um, but I'm in the same boat as BCB. Uh, went five for six overall. Not everything really bounced my way. He's got a couple of the games just wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're in the thick of things, so we're on to week two. And uh, but week one was awesome. I mean, five days of football. I mean, even that the Sunday night game was unreal. Uh, the game, the Clemson game, not so much, but that the FSU LSU game was just stupid. Some might argue that, you know, some of the top games we had this week might have made this one of the best weeks, overall weeks of football that I've seen in a while. But you know what? It was awesome. We're moving on to week two. Let's get at it. <laughs> and we're back. And before we move on to week two, Larry makes a good point. Let's let's actually talk about real quick recap week one, what we saw, what went down. Um, right off the bat, I'll, I'll kick it off here right off the bat. Iowa doesn't have an offense, and it's not something that I didn't expect. If you would have told me the end score is 7-3 with no touchdown, there's a small – like across other teams, you know, you'd be like, that's that's impossible. With Iowa, there's like a 5% chance, I believe, that, that that's, that's a possibility that could happen on a week-to-week basis. So – Defense is outstanding. That was obviously my top game of the week or the, my favorite game to watch uh, pre-kickoff uh, that I was looking forward to. Wanted to see how they turn out. But what about you guys? Any any big games that stood out before we kind of go through the schedule? BCB, what was the line? What was the line that you recommended taking? On which one? The uh... Uh, South Dakota State. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah, you can get like, what, 22 and a half on South Dakota State. So, uh <laughs> And it opened at 20 and a half and I didn't bet it. And it closed at like 10. So I'm the village idiot for laying off of that. Cause I wanted a half point and it wouldn't let me buy it when it came out. So I laid off of it. So yeah, I was kicking myself for uh, not, not taking that bet that day. Uh, you, I, you said it and I, I was like, yeah, I mean, I was not going to cover that. They just don't score. More. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I never, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't watch a second of that game. I paid zero attention to it. <laughs> Yeah, but we, I mean, there's a, there was a lot of stuff. Like, that's the thing you got to love about college football is you're going to see some shit like you've never seen on, on a weekend. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. the Iowa game was definitely that. You got two safeties and a field goal to win seven to three. And uh, I think for the first time in my life, I backed a team that scored 61 points and didn't win the bet. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, let's talk about it. I mean, App State, right? Yeah, yeah. so – 
40 points in the fourth quarter. What a team. Like, I still love them. I, I mean, you got me hooked on them to begin with. Uh, you, you still still a fan? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, because uh, from an offensive standpoint, like, if you would have told me last week, like when we talked, uh, hey, Notre Dame's going to score 10 points. Appalachian State's going to score 61. Yeah. Uh, you know, Illinois is going to lead the whole game and catch a touchdown twice and have it be called incomplete. I would have thought that I would have been sitting here counting money <laughs> in the week one. And instead, that App State game, uh, yeah, that one kind of hit me in the mouth early, got the adrenaline run, and that was a noon kickoff. I'm sitting there pre-gaming a little bit in Nashville, put the TV on. My oh, yeah. girlfriend and her friend are getting ready to go hit Broadway. Scores 21-7. App State has the ball. It's a third and eight. They have the kid tackled. Missed two tackles. <laughs> he breaks it, goes score. Then all of a sudden, it's 28-21. My girlfriend comes out from getting her hair finished, and I'm sitting there yelling about how the App State defensive line's always in the wrong front, how they're misaligned, how this linebacker keeps going play flow every single time and ends up five yards out of position. And yep, she just yep. looks at me and is like, man, I hate football so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all don't, right. don't want to pile on bubs here, but uh, NC State should have also lost. Uh, that was the first game I started watching on my Saturday. I was at a party in a pool uh, down by Kiowa Island in South Carolina, but uh, yeah, I was with the uh, ECU grad, and I mean, I, I didn't think they had a chance when the game started because uh, Larry and there's a lot of hype on the NC State team, and I mean, they just their kicker just absolutely blew the game. It's just brutal. <laughs> yeah, the, the state of North Carolina had its ups and downs, I'd say. NC State barely pulling one out. App State barely losing. North Carolina, what a dumb play on that onside kick when they returned it for the touchdown. Like, we saw a couple of those, and we'll touch on another one that, that really sticks out to me of a, just a dumb play. But state of North Carolina, not sure really what to think there. Um State of South Carolina, Coastal Carolina. Okay, is yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Easy, yeah. easy win, 38-28. They just took care of business. I, I, I had them. One of my wins of the week. Coastal minus two. I think it might have finished at two and a half. Uh, Coastal's back. App State's not. App State's about to get stomped by Texas A&M this week. Absolutely stomped. <laughs> Texas A&M's way better than UNC. Way better, and they have to go to fucking Kyle Field. Like I, I mean, App State's dead. Coastal Carolina's back. Uh, Coastal gets to play Gardner-Webb this week. So, take Coastal minus whatever that line comes out later this week. All right, all right. Um, I have a question for you both <clears throat> so we can kind of hop around games. Is Georgia good or is Oregon bad? I, I think Georgia's really, really good. <laughs> we kind of talked about it because we're like – we were breaking down that Oregon roster last week, and I'm like, dude, they've got some guys. Like, if you go look at the recruiting rankings on 24-7, I think they're a top-10 team in yeah. terms of, like, recruiting talent that they have in the country. So, um, yeah, it wasn't like they don't have some dudes. It just uh, – the, the problem is – I had said this. I was like, Georgia's probably at that level now where they don't necessarily lose talent. They're just plugging more talent. They're losing experienced talent and plugging in inexperienced talent, right. and it may not matter. Um, and it kind of looks like they're at that level. Uh, they they did whatever they wanted to against Oregon. Also, there's no team in the country that can match up with those tight ends. Like, good luck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, yep. That's just a mismatch. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I, I think Georgia's the best team in the country. Um, and Whoa. they proved it. Hot take. No, hot, no, nope, nope. <laughs> they're the best team in the country. 
they didn't lose a beat um, at all. Uh, and I do think Oregon – I don't – Oregon might not lose a game the rest of the season. I don't think Oregon's bad. I mean, I was wrong. I had Oregon plus 17. I thought they were going to keep this game close. They were never in that game, not even for a second. Um, I think Georgia's, Georgia is the best team in the country. Um, might be a strong take. Um, if I, I would put them in my college playoff as the one or two seed today um, easily. So my only comment to that is that Bo Nix had some games at uh, Auburn where you're like, holy shit, this guy is really fucking good. Like he's making plays. I don't want to say that that's Stetson Bennett, but I've seen Stetson Bennett play really bad. I saw him make some Bo Nix plays during that Georgia game too. He did play very well. Don't get me wrong. He played like a good quarterback. I'm still not sold on Stetson Bennett. I think Oregon is just incredibly bad. I hate Bo Nix. I've hated him since last year. So it could be some bias showing, but let's move on to our other ranked game that we saw. The one that kind of surprised me, Cincinnati at Arkansas the game where 13 helmets or maybe 14 helmets were popped off during the course of the game. It was pretty wild, wild scenario, but I want to get your guys thoughts. See if you guys saw it or checked it out. All you BCB. I, I didn't, I did not watch it. <clears throat> yeah, so, so I was lucky enough in Nashville to find the one bar that had like a sports book. Apparently that was just uh, like yeah. a second level bar at Jimmy Buffett's that I had TVs all the way around. So um i was able to talk the uh the ladies into going in there for like four or five hours saturday and hanging out unfortunately uh my attention was glued to appalachian state for like five hours on saturday (laughs) (laughs) but they did have the cincinnati arkansas game one in the corner and uh it was one of those games where it kept kind of feeling like arkansas should take control of it and they just never really did and then they kind of they kind of ended up in a dog fight and they they pulled it out. They won and they covered. So, I mean, it's true. It's, it's not like that Cincinnati team. I mean, we like, you know, we, we all like te- other teams in that conference a little bit better, but the Cincinnati team still probably a top 40 team in the country. Uh, so from that oh, standpoint. Yeah, agreed. agreed. Yep. Also too, like, imagine me telling you two years ago that Arkansas was going to beat a ranked opponent week one, and we were going to sit here and criticize them for it. Like people forget how far that program's come in two years. So uh, they ended up in a dog fight and they won the game. I think that's huge for them going forward. That's something they can build on. So I'm not knocking the Razorbacks for it, man. It's college football a lot of time, especially early in the season, just show up and win your games. And, and if it's ugly, it's ugly, but as long as you don't lose, you're fine. No, I agree. Ugly game. I mean, it was two solid opponents. I don't think any of them are going to go too well. I agree. Both are two top 40 teams, you know, yeah. but um, solid game. Um, the, the last game. Yeah, more. Um, I mean, the backyard brawl was unreal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about that yet. Go ahead. <clears throat> I think both of those teams are actually better than I expected, but that might just be that game. Um I, it was it was just an unreal back and forth. Um, Pitt ended up pulling out, and uh, but West Virginia did cover the seven and a half. Um, I could watch those two teams. Uh, the backyard brawl better be back every year, like it has to be. It should start. It should be week one every year. It should be that Thursday night. They should just solidify that. I don't know where West Virginia would play if they had a neutral site. Um, but I think there were a lot of West Virginia fans there anyways. Um, I mean, JT Daniels still made JT Daniels plays, uh, Pitt. I, I wasn't, I wasn't like 
blown away by Keaton Solvis. Like they weren't the same Kenny Pickett's Mark Whipple pit, but I think unreal. It was such a back and forth, like unreal. Uh, give me that. Give me that every week. I agree. It'd be an incredible way to have that like tradition to start that. Like that's how we start college football every year. Just like how we ended every year with like Ohio state, Michigan or some shit like that. Uh, BCB, any, any thoughts on the backyard brawl? No, man. Uh, yeah, that was a great game. Um, like I said, growing up, like I was a huge fan of that game, man. Loved those West Virginia teams from like the, the mid 2000s. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, that's what it's all about. Like we said, you know, you get two teams like that, that, Hey, they're probably not going to the playoffs. Both of them might not even make bowl games this year um from that standpoint but you guess what you got a game that people care about week one a really fun game great game to watch and then you had the luxury on thursday night of being able to flip the channel watching a great game between penn state and purdue so give me you know give me two quality matchups uh on a thursday night to kick off college football every year sign me up i can't get enough of it. those are those are the type of games i love made it worth it yeah i mean just to have that anticipation and then those two atmospheres and it wasn't like Southern Miss against like Indiana State or something like you guys said two big not big big teams but two power five teams going at it loved it um another game I want to chat on and I'll run through these but if you guys have games you want to go through I'm kind of just going through the schedule and you know things that I saw but one thing that I stuck out that if you look at the scoreboard you're gonna see like oh shit that was crazy Miami won 70 to 13 but if you look at the stat line Everyone's hyping Miami right now, which obviously they should. That was a solid game. They played very well. Van Dyke had less than 200 yards passing and only two touchdowns. I'm not sure if he played the full game or not, but and he probably did with the score of 70 up there. But I wouldn't put too much stock in Miami right now. They're obviously a very good team, but just something I wanted to call it there. I don't know if you guys had anything. Uh, disagree. Uh, all the stock's in on Miami. And it's because NC State struggled against Eastern Carolina and Clemson struggled against Georgia Tech. That, I mean, I, at least Georgia Tech is an ACC team. Eastern Carolina, NC State struggling against Eastern Carolina. I think Miami put all the stock in them. I have them, I have a future for them to win the ACC. So all my stock's in them. So <laughs> I, I, I think that's great. First of all, um, if we're going to do that to Van Dyke, we got to do it to Quinn Ewers. Because he, oh, we'll get so. to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, fair is fair, Harry. It's fair. Um, BCB, any thoughts on the game? Or I got another one I wanted to chat on here. Yeah, I hadn't done too much looking into Miami, so okay. um, didn't didn't look at that too much. I, they played Bethune Cookman, so yeah. I, yeah. I tell you what, though, man, Miami's like a team. If you go back and look historically, week one against some of these lower tier like one double A schools, these FCS programs. And, and they beat the hell out of them. So they've been a cover machine on some, like, 50-point spreads early in the season. So, oh, yeah. yeah, man, the, yeah, I, I don't read a whole lot. I don't look a whole lot into those numbers. Um, same thing, Baylor Baylor went in and beat, beat up on Albany. It was, like, 69 to 10. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out Blake Shapin, though. He went 17 for 20 in the first half, 214, oh, two yeah. touchdowns, and then had a rushing touchdown. It didn't play the second half, so. He's, he's got to He's got to learn to slide. I went yeah, back and watched highlights. He just go like he was taking hits against that defense. I was like, I mean, did, what did they? They had like nine different players score on offense or seven. Yeah, they had a special teams touchdown too. So, <laughs> yeah. but he's. Yeah. I mean, I guess I. I guess listening to the head coach, like he 
they try to teach him to slide like in every single practice and he just won't do it. <laughs> he's a baseball player. <laughs> That's the great, yeah. The number one, number one player or something from like Louisiana in his class of senior year and the dude won't slide on a football field. It makes no sense. But he, I mean, his touchdown passes that he threw, those were nice. And uh, apparently too, coming into the week, they, uh, some of the Baylor insiders had said the game plan was to just run the ball. They didn't want to put too much on film um, for the BYU game. So, yeah, we'll see that. I, it was a nice start, I thought. Like, one of my buddies was texting. He's like, 234 and three touchdowns uh, to start week one isn't great for a Heisman campaign when you're playing Albany. I was like, dude, he played one half. <laughs> I mean, I love shaping in that game. Uh, I rode your future, the Heisman future. That's BCB's pick. He's still at... 150 to one, right? Yeah, he's still there. So wild to me, wild. Um, and so speaking of Baylor, obviously we had BYU at USF. Again, people put a whole bunch of stock, just like Miami, into BYU after that game. They won 50 to 21. Sure, great game. But again, quarterback had two touchdowns, one pick. No, uh, only one running back did tear it up with a big run, uh, 13 for 135. So a solid game, but like, they bumped up all the way in the AP pool to be tied with Baylor. Now, is that a correct statement or? Um, I would have to go look at the numbers on that. I haven't I, looked. I could at be that. wrong. I could be wrong on that. But anyways, they jumped up pretty big. So it's going to be a nice ranked game uh, this upcoming week. Yeah. Also worth noting too, in that, so I actually, I went back and watched that BYU um, USF game after the fact, okay. and it was like, that game BYU was up 21-0 within eight minutes. They, they had a, Early in the game, they ran a reverse uh, with Puka Nakal, um, I believe is how you pronounce his name, who was actually a USC commit and then ended up at uh, BYU. But he runs a reverse, scores a touchdown. And then they got a pick six and they got up early. And then it was kind of an even game. Um, right. Watching the defense though, of USF, it was one of those things that was kind of eerily similar to Appalachian State. It was like every single play, it seemed like their players were – you know, not where they were supposed to be. Every player was kind of misaligned. Um, the players looked lost. They weren't They weren't very good in zone. They weren't very good at protecting their space. And then they also took terrible angles to the ball and missed a bunch of tackles. Yep. You won't see that happen with a team like Baylor. Like, from a defensive standpoint, Baylor's going to be pretty sound. So, while BYU did play a little bit tougher opponent than what Baylor did week one, um, I don't know, man. I think the Baylor's got the better athletes between the two, and I think they're a better coach team. And I, and I like BYU this year. I just think Baylor's the underdog right now. I'm going to – that's wow. probably going to be a good back special for a little bit <laughs> for some people. Yeah. And uh, I might be uh, – yeah, I might be on that money line this week. Might be tipping my hat a little bit there. And how much does that got to suck if you're, like, in USC on the beach, you know, chilling with, like, hot women, good drinks at the bars, and then you transfer to BYU? Like, your life must suck right now. But that being said, one other team, one last team I want to talk – that was just a little overrated. Go ahead. Can we talk about Ole Miss real quick? Did, did they did they perform well? Did they... they ran the ball incredibly well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> from that standpoint, yeah, the offense, the passing offense kind of looked like what I thought it was going to look like. Okay. Um, they went Jackson, Dart. Um, and then Lane had said afterwards he planned to pull Dart out after about five series and then give five series to Luke Altmeyer, But – um, early in the second half, dart through an interception in the double coverage um, going into the red zone. And he didn't want to pull him out after the, the pick. So he left him in for another series. 
So yeah, their their passing offense is a work in progress. They had uh, Quashon Judkinzo, who is a true freshman running back. Yeah, he's a true freshman running back that they liked a lot in camp. And I was surprised at how much he played, but he had a great game. And then Zach Evans did look like one of the best running backs in the SEC. So the offensive line played great. Their defense played really well. Uh, If they get the quarterback thing figured out with Lane Kiffin, which I I trust that he will get something going there. I, I still think they have a really high ceiling. Uh, Luke Alt, so they're actually going to start Luke Altmeyer this week. So Luke really? Altmeyer is going to go first, yeah, and then Dart's going to come off the bench and reserve against Central Arkansas. So. so is he doing like a Harbaugh thing where he's like, yeah, oh. yeah? He, I guess he gets the benefit of the doubt though, so because <laughs> Harbaugh got ripped for it from the media. Um, but yeah, Lane said he wanted to see both of them play as a as the one, and then see how the other one played coming off the bench. And then I think they'll make a decision at some point, probably after this week's game. But like I said, the thing for Ole Miss is if you got as much new talent as they do, you got your first four games aren't going to be incredibly hard. Just show up and win. So yep, yep, yep. Got and, and continue to gel. But now they look they look really good everywhere else on the field. It's that quarterback spot that they've got got some problems with. Speaking of good quarterbacks, Utah at Florida. What a fucking game. Oh, my God. The Swamp is back. Two great quarterbacks, Cam Rising, AR, Anthony Richardson. I wasn't sold on Anthony Richardson. I thought he was a little too wild, too inconsistent. Dude can ball. What do you guys – you guys check out the game? How did you feel? I still yeah. need to go back and watch it, but, I mean, I'm a fan of Billy Napier. Um I'm now a big fan of Florida also. Um, I think they're going to compete. They have a difficult matchup this week against Kentucky at home, though, um, which I think is going to be an awesome game. Uh, they're four-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I guess I think this week we'll get a real understanding of who they are, um, which is nice because, uh, I mean, Utah is a Pac-12 team. So Utah is not as good on the road as right. they are. Um, but Utah might not lose again this season. So uh, who knows? Very true. Yeah, that could be one of those games we look back at, um, like at the end of the year, and you're like, oh, man, like both those teams end up being like top 15 type of teams. Because yeah. uh, I, I definitely think second place, especially after watching Tennessee's defense, <laughs> watching Tennessee's defense last week against Ball State, Second place in the East is up for grabs. So they could very well slot in as a second best team behind Georgia there um, and see, see how that goes for him. But yeah, I think, you know, Napier's on the right path there. Uh, Ever since he's gone in, it's been pretty smooth sailing for him. Like I said, they got on him a little bit early in that tenure for, he had some recruiting misses, I think, but uh, he's kind of turned the tide there. And uh, Travis Etienne's little brother (laughs) actually got some playing time for for Florida Gators and looked good. So I think they're going to be a team that, that's predominantly a run team. Um, but with what Anthony Richardson brings in the past game, if they keep their, their top wide receivers healthy, they're, they're a tough matchup on a week to week basis. Crazy. And I'm going to need you, you guys to take this one away for about two seconds, but Notre Dame at Ohio state, obviously one of the huge, huge games, not going to lie. I have to take a shit real quick. So you two take it away. I'll be right back. <laughs> uh, so wasn't exactly what I expected. Um, I think Notre Dame's defense is better than expected. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't be – I don't think anyone should be surprised that Ohio State's offense uh, starts slow. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it sucked. But maybe Notre Dame's better than everyone expected, especially that defense. 
Um, Ohio State's defense was excellent and wasn't the problem, um, which is – I think that was the big question mark, and they weren't the issue because uh, I think they only allowed Notre Dame like 72 yards in the second half, um, and they shut them out in the second half. Yeah, if you would have told me that Notre Dame had 72 yards in the second half and scored 10 points, I would have thought that <laughs> that was a five-unit win for me, and it was uh, – you know, off to collect the money as soon as possible. But it uncharacteristically, Ohio State, like you said, on offense had a really sloppy game, in my opinion. It didn't help that uh, my other Heisman pick, Jackson Smith and Jigba, got hurt early in the game. I think that kind of took away from the offense. I'm going to guess they probably had a lot of plays drawn up for him uh, throughout the night. I thought, too, if you're going long-term, this is a game where I'm not going to overreact um, to how Ohio State looked. I think going long-term, it might be beneficial to the team for them to have won a dogfight. If you go look at the games that they've won in the past, it's, they've usually just track-meeted their opponents in some of these games, and um, they didn't really have to, to do that. They didn't – I mean, C.J. Stroud at, at some point, like, I, if you looked at the advanced numbers – um, it was better than I thought it would have been in terms of accuracy and stuff. But he had some throws where it seemed like they were getting missed or the they were dropping it. I also thought Ryan Day was incredibly conservative at times in some fourth and one, fourth and two situations where, like, man, you've got Travion Henderson. <laughs> like, you've got one of the best offensive lines in the country. Let's line up and get two yards and, you know, see what you can do. Uh, but no, they were they were pretty content to punt a few times, kind of played the field position game, and it worked out for them. Unfortunately, when you're laying multiple touchdowns like I had to in the Ohio State Notre Dame game, if you're missing field goals and you're you know punting every time and you're you're missing having drops and missing wide open receivers, you're probably not going to cover your bet, and that's that's what came back. So. That could also be one of those, too, that, like, this Ohio State team kind of starts to gel. And later in the year, we're like, how did they only beat Notre Dame by 11 in that game? But from a defensive standpoint, they answered all the questions that they had to. So I think they've got to feel really good about that going forward. If I had to rank the big three in terms of, like, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State after that game, I would have Ohio State firmly in the three position right now, though. 100% agree. And Georgia in the one position. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm the king, bitch, until you show me otherwise. <laughs> all right, all right. That's a fair statement. Uh, yeah, to- only, okay. only really, I'm still waiting for Bubs to give my ticket, but uh, Peyton Toon, um, they struggled. I went back and watched the film on that. They were down 21. They were down 7 to 21. Uh, they were down to UTSA. Um, they ended up winning in uh, three overtimes. Um which I, I went back and watched the highlights, and that game was awesome. UTSA is a good team, and Houston had to go to UTSA, but Houston started really slow and had a bad first half. Um, they kind of clicked during the end and ended up winning by two. I had a minus four, so that was a loser. But the over hit, thanks, thankfully, two, um, three overtimes because uh, the over was 62, and it went it was 48 at the end of regulation. So, um that was awesome. Um, so Clayton Toon to win the Heisman, it's still we're still on. <laughs> Did you see who UTSA plays this week? I didn't, but I'm on I'm on Houston early because uh, they're a dog at Texas Tech. Who? Yeah. Uh, Army. Yeah, I, I, they got I, Army. They're only laying two. They're laying two at Army. So that was like that's a game I put a lot of research in. I don't have an official play yet, but 
UTSA has some athletes, man. That's what I told you, like, going into that game. Like, they're going to have some guys. They've got some Texas guys that kind of fell through the cracks and didn't go to, to Texas or A&M or Tech. That's yeah, that's funny you say that because I, I, that's on my card, which I'll get to in a little bit. But UTSA minus two at Army. UTSA, uh, they're probably a more athletic team than Coastal. They probably don't have the call. <laughs> they don't, probably don't have the quarterback. Uh, but, I mean – Army's just not going to be able to keep up with it. They're going to be – I mean, they're going to be hitting big plays on Army. It is a noon game at Army, um, which only made me consider it a little bit different. But, I mean, we'll get to the cards. But, yeah, I, I mean, I do like – they're just – they're big. They're athletic. They hit home runs. Dude, yeah, yeah, like they, if you kind of look at them, like they just look like a power five team. Like you would have thought that was another uh, like a power five team or like, an, you know, one of the better teams in the AAC, <laughs> just how they lined up on and how they looked on the field versus Houston, I thought. For sure, for sure. So before I hit the last two primetime games that we ended with, Florida, LSU, Clemson, Georgia Tech, is there any other games <clears throat> you guys wanted to chat about or, <clears throat> excuse me? Yeah, no, I mean, Nevada's good. Um, Nevada might be just as good as they were last year, even though they lost Carson Strong. Might be a little bit of a get ahead, but uh, yeah, their quarterback's six seven. I mentioned it last week. Had the minus one, and they beat Texas State easy, so that was a nice win. They passed. They passed uh, my week zero eye test into week two, so um, I'll be watching late night Nevada again all year long, uh, and just watching them. <laughs> They'll, I mean, they'll have some tough games, but uh, they're when they're at home, they're good. Even though new coach, new quarterback, um, yeah, they're. I mean, their quarterback's still like six seven. And I'm just when guys are that big, it's just crazy. I just don't understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll say one that I was kind of surprised that the score was Syracuse just absolutely dominating Louisville. Uh, last week in a season where Satterfield and the boys just kind of have their backs against the wall and need a big year to uh, to save his job. And I, they came out and got bullied by a team that hasn't really done a lot of bullying on people. And uh, now they get to play at UCF on Friday night this week um, at the bounce house. UCF, uh, by the way, who, again, they played, uh, they believe they played South Carolina State last week, FCS team. So is what it is. But, uh, yeah, the uh, Louisville only scored seven points. Mikhail Cunningham had two interceptions, and then their runner, their top rusher, didn't even have 100 yards. Uh, last week against SC State, UCF didn't even give up 100 yards total. Uh, so, and uh, John Rice Plumley had four passing touchdowns and 100 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground, too. So, Easy. I got a number. Uh, for some reason, like the rest of the books had it at six and a half. Caesars put out a five and a half on UCF. So I ended up taking those points. Now they're up to six and a half there. So I dig um, it. I dig it. yeah, we'll see how Louisville looks. But that, that was the t- about as terrible start to a season as they could have had. Hell yeah. Well, let's talk real quick. Last two final games, then we'll hop over to our cards and our preview for the week two. FSU, LSU. The wildest three minutes, last three minutes of a game. I'm trying to think like kick six. That was probably like the best ending to the game, in my opinion. But that's the final three minutes. Just so many swings back and forth. You want to talk about dumb coaching. I don't get the pitch uh, for Florida State when they were down on the one. Um, Brandon Walker had a thing today where he's like, it's a pitch, though. Like, you know, you make that play 999 times out of a thousand. So it's not like that crazy, but. 
still, um, if it was me, I would have knelt the ball. I don't know about you guys, but what a fucking game, man. What a fucking game. I I mean, if you're running on the goal line and fucking hand it off, don't pitch the ball. It's, I don't, I feel like that's one-on-one type stuff. Um, you just don't pitch the ball on the goal line. Uh, especially when you're winning and like I, three point, any points seal the game. You could even go, I mean, I guess you can't go four and out because LSU still went 99 yards. Um, but I guess they, I, I don't know if the momentum would have been the same if they didn't recover that fumble. Uh, yeah, just don't pitch the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, Florida State should have won that by a touchdown or two. Um, but uh, maybe Florida State's not that good. LSU is not good. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about Jaden Daniels, not good. Yeah. Um, Brian Kelly's in trouble. Boutier, I don't even know if Boutier wants to be there. I saw a funny tweet that's saying he's he's hitting the transfer portal already. I don't think that's true, but wouldn't doubt it. Before we go to BCB real quick, Boutier or Booty, whatever his name is, and the punt returner that dropped two took LSU and everything out of their bios. Everything. Removed it all. So, could be some truth to that. BCB, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it took Brian Kelly approximately five minutes after the game to throw the kids under the bus. So, <laughs> I mean, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, I mean, it does kind of feel like he's on the verge of having a full-blown mutiny on his hands here at yep. LSU with some of these kids probably hitting the portal, which honestly maybe what he wants long-term. Dude's got 100 mil over nine years or whatever. So if it, if it doesn't go his way, he's about to get paid regardless. But, uh, man, that was – that was not a great performance from LSU. I mean, like I said, I thought Ole Miss played about as bad as they could, and uh, they came out and won. So, from from the SEC West standpoint, I, I don't think LSU is going to be in it this year. If you're holding some unders on uh, seven wins for the Tigers, you got to feel good about that. I loved in the broadcast, too. Like, one thing you kind of saw from Jaden Daniels, and they even they call it out, but they're like, he's tucking the ball in the pocket. Like, he's still standing there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's immediately just tucking it, like not even going through the reads and the progressions. And he would be such a terrible quarterback to try and game plan for as a defensive coordinator because, like, he, sometimes he makes his reads, whatever, but he's, he's so fast. <laughs> he's, he's probably going to make some plays on you. So, like, you can stop what he has. I think at one point he had, like, 99 passing yards and 70 rush yards, and they were down, like, three points. So, um <laughs> I'm going to guess you see someone else start at quarterback at some point this year for LSU. Um, they'll probably empty the bench at a lot of positions. Uh, seems like they'll probably have some kids get in the portal. Um, I think they did actually have like a, a linebacker um, get in the portal today when I was checking it. But, uh, Wild. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out for him. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a long year for the boys down in Baton Rouge. And one last thing I want to – actually, two last things I want to call out about the game. There was a play in the game where I think it should have been uh, – they were driving and Florida State fumbled it, so the refs uh, died it dead. And then they had to reset when the clock was going. Brian Kelly was freaking out. Kirk Herbstreit's like, that's the ref's problem. That's the ref's problem. I thought back to our interview with Dean Blandino where he's like, you'll hear the announcers kind of side with us, you know, and like not try to put the blame us. Uh, the ref guy comes on. He's like, actually, they called it right. And Kirk's like, yeah, you're right. Officials are right. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that from Dean. Um, and then lastly, as uh, your weekly reminder that Brian Kelly killed a kid. Uh, well, game. I To that point, I also they also blew the end of the game. Uh, the LSU tight end didn't get out of bounds. 
They called him out of bounds. They yep. ended up redoing the whole thing. Yeah. If they, if they called him in bounds, LSU would have I, never have gotten a playoff. Just I, there's no belief in my mind that they would have got to the line and got a playoff and been able – Jaden Daniels would not have been able to handle that situation. So, I mean, the refs gave him a gift, but then they the FSU blocked the extra point anyway, so it didn't matter. But it was it was a gift. And then they're reviewing that, and the announcers are like, yeah, maybe he went out at the four, and it's like, dude, his left knee's very clearly <laughs> inbounds. And, like, yeah. it's like, what, what are you calling here? But I, I tell you what, man, that, that just goes to show you, like, Norvell kind of got onto the uh, – got onto the opposite foot of what Scott Frost did to start the season. Like Norvell kind of needed one of these games to go his way. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of build on this. Uh, Scott Frost has to be so jealous though, man. He's got to be like, why can't I just get something like that to happen um, and go my way one of these times. But um, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not buying stock in either of these teams after that game. That said though, sign me up for Florida state on Sunday night of week of week oh, yeah. one, every single year. Because they always, it's always an entertaining game. Jordan Travis was the shit. Last game, we saw it last night, uh, Clemson, Georgia Tech. Not real much to say. My only comment on the game is 2017-2018, uh, Debo, or not Debo, but Dabo, made a quarterback change mid-year, Kelly Bryant to Trevor Lawrence. They ended up going to the national championship. But it was a huge controversy because Kelly Bryant took him to the playoffs the previous year. Kelly Bryant immediately went to the portal. I don't know why he let Klubnik take that last drive because you knew the kid was going to kill it. You know, the fan base is going to be in his ear now because not everybody loved DJU's performance. So that was an interesting move. I thought at the very end, Clemson, it was close. As soon as the linebacker went out for Georgia tech, their team captain, they imploded on defense. I think 20, 21 points scored right after that. It's not surprising. It's what you just said. I mean, DJ is just holding the placeholder for the kid Cade Klubner, Klubnik. I mean, that kid looked excellent. The offense, the offense looked completely different when it came to the game. They started running up tempo. He he looked like he knew what he was doing out there. He was calm, cool, collective. Uh, Clemson defense is still one of the top defenses in the country. Yeah. Teams are going to struggle to score against them. Um, they're I don't know if they're back. They'll probably win the ACC. Uh, but yeah, it's not with DJ. I, they. They're better off if they move on from them earlier than later. Uh, I, and I don't I, – I, Dabo might know that, and that's why he did it. Right. Uh, yeah, it was a funny time to do it, too, because they play Furman this week. So, if he wanted to play club, yeah, right. he was going to get – he was going to get plenty of opportunity to do so. Um, now it makes it really interesting to see what that game plan looks like, if, especially they're probably going to be up big early. Do you go DJ in the first half? Cade in the second and see, um, you know, kind of how those two things play out. But, oh man, Clemson just looks so much like they did last year, though, too. That's a, like DJ said that he had an improved performance. Unfortunately, I think he, this is kind of just who he is, like, at this point. Um, he did look like he was in better shape. I thought he ran the ball pretty well at times. <laughs> yeah. But you've got a ceiling with him. I don't know about Klubnik yet. Um, and it – for the longest time, it looked like, if you remember last year, Clemson won 10 games, but it seemed like every game they were in was a dogfight down to the end. Yeah. And it kind of looked like that's the way this game was headed um, at, at one point Monday night. And then, yeah, so we'll see. Dabo's had some loyalty to DJ here. Yep. 
let's see let's see how long that goes because the better Cade plays, the the long, the shorter and shorter the leash is going to get. And the fan base, I, I'm in a group message with a bunch of Clemson fans. And, uh, they're already saying, you know, Club Nick by week five. So, um, yeah, well, well that, that'll be an interesting story to watch. The message has started. All right. Week two. What a fucking week. I'm fucking pumped. I don't think I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think it'll live up to the results we got from week one. I think that was a little treat for us, you know, to start the season. Um, but I want to start with a couple highlight games. We have four highlight games. We want to talk with you guys about first one. I think I'm going to be the only one playing this side uh, or on one side, but let's talk Bama at Texas. Um, I have my picks, uh, but you know what? You guys go right ahead. I'll be a gentleman here. Texas gentleman myself. All right, so I did go back and watch the Texas UL Monroe game last week, so I've got some thoughts. Um, interesting, though, you're not the only person that's got a side in here that likes Texas. So I was reading, so I think I had mentioned it in the group chat. I took this line as a look-ahead line. DraftKings had it at like 15 when the other books were at 17, so I laid the 15 with Alabama a week ago, knowing that's probably the side I was going to be on, and if it went to 14, I'll buy back in or whatever. Um, and probably double down on it. Line goes to 20. So I'm holding a ticket that's five points below market value at 110. So right. not too mad about that. But a lot of books that I was reading, they opened it at 18. The line got up to 21. And then at 21, there was a lot of sharp action that came in on Texas and pushed it back down to 20. So yeah. you're kind of seeing about a three touchdown difference. Um, all right. So Texas did give up three sacks to UL Monroe. Yep. Alabama's probably going to have more than three sacks. Uh, just from from watching that, they, the kid that's playing left tackle for Texas as a freshman, he looked like he really struggled at times. I was watching him, and it, like he was kind of struggling with the UL Monroe defensive ends. We'll see if they put Will Anderson on him early um, and run some stunts at him. I will – I don't know if I'm going to – like, these aren't the type of games I usually bet. So, 20, I don't know if I'm going to be there on Alabama. I might put them in a teaser with something else and get that line below 14. Okay. Um, I don't know. This game's a win for Texas if Quinn Ewers just, like, plays decent and survives the game and they get some big plays on Alabama, in my opinion, for where they're at as a program. So, yeah, we'll see. I think I, – I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of scared for Quinn Ewers' life because I, I always heard coming out of Alabama camp this year that – uh, their defensive coordinator had some packages he was ready to put in with his defensive line. Like he was giddy about running some stunts with defensive linemen. And uh, this Texas line is right for the pickings if he's, if he's wanting to get creative. True. Um, Larry, I guess, uh, do you want to put, put, do you have an official pick or do you have a side on this you want to play? Uh, uh, it would be Alabama minus 20. Um, uh, so, I mean, Alabama, 150 nothing against um utah state who actually was uh a conference winner last year um they won the mountain west um and it was an 11 win team last year um alabama didn't let them score uh alabama ran for 278 they also passed for 281 alabama didn't score in the fourth quarter alabama didn't care alabama it's focused on killing Texas. They were focused on it last week, focused on it now. Um, Alabama's defense is going to kill Texas's offense. And I think Bryce Young 
I, I, I don't think Texas defense has enough to stop them. Um, so seeing somewhere maybe like, uh, no, like 46, 46 to like 24, maybe somewhere around there. Um, just enough for Alabama to cover the 20. Um, okay. Whatever, whatever the football numbers are in there, somewhere around there, maybe 45, 45 to 21, something like that. So you guys talked a lot about the players on the field, you know, things like that. The one thing I'll say is Quinn Ewers. I think he got his, his, uh, I mean, he sat for a whole year at Ohio State. He finally got in the driver's seat, finally got to play a game. I think that's that's big. If this would have been Alabama week one, yeah, I'd be a little bit more tough. I'm going to take things outside. This is at Texas, folks. I think you guys keep forgetting that. Uh, I think that's going to be a tough, tough environment. Alabama will try to travel, but I think the one team that could travel better is Texas, and they don't even have to. They're at home there in Austin. Second thing I'd like to say is that Sarkeesian's a Saban guy. He's from the tree. I think that he'll design some plays. He's obviously a quarterback guru to get Quinn comfortable, to get him in play. Do I think Texas will win this game? I'm not going to say absolutely not. I'm going to say probably not. Willie Anderson, that's going to be a problem. I think with the game plan that will be set up, uh, the respect the coaches have for each other, um, I, I think it'll be rather closer. I think this is a perfect, uh, BCB mentioned earlier, backdoor opportunity type game here. So uh, I am my, my official pick. I am in on Texas plus 20. Yeah. The one thing that scares me on this game, I'm not going to lie is that it's like everybody just assumes that Alabama is going to like 50 piece Texas. Like seems like everybody's on that mindset. Um, so uh, it's not usually the way it works. Also Alabama hasn't really been good in road, like true non true road non-conference games. Um, I think they have like a weird style where they haven't won one since like 2011 or something. So normally they play like neutral field uh, games when they played USC and stuff. But yeah, I don't, Quinn Ewers didn't play bad last week. Was, like I had mentioned in one of our preview episodes, like it's the first time he's played a game since his junior year of high school. So yeah, man. usually you see your biggest improvement from week one to week two. So um I don't know. Texas has got some guys, man. They've got NFL guys. Like, it's not like the cupboards, cupboards bear there. And, and even though I'm not bullish on it, like, it's college football. Weirder things have happened. So, you, yeah. his, the, the legend of Quinn Ewers could easily be born Saturday afternoon if he yeah. has a big game. I'll just say this as the last thing. If Quinn Ewers wins this fucking game, you guys can trash your Heisman tickets, and I hope you fucking rode me on my end because Quinn Ewers, you might as well just lock it in, go cash out the bat, walk to the casino, and and get your money's worth, but yeah, yeah. If, if he pulls this out, this it's this, you're throwing a wrench into the, the playoff picture early on. Oh, dude, that's fucking chaos. Um, all right, a little bit less chaos, a little bit more rivalry. UK Kentucky at Florida. Uh, I'll admit, I didn't watch the Kentucky game last week. I did watch the full Florida game. Um, I'll defer to you guys to start. Right now, the line is sitting at. Minus four and a half Florida at home over under at 51 and a half. I don't, I don't really play totals, but I'll, uh, I'll throw it up to you guys here. Uh, any thoughts uh, initially on the game? I don't have a play on this game. Um, not, not sure what to think about either side. This now becomes SEC matchup. Um, yep. Florida got a good win at home versus Utah. Utah's still a Pac-12 team. Uh Kentucky got a win also at home, but now they're going into Florida. Um, a four and a half is just not a 
I don't love Florida minus four and a half. Uh, so I will be passing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting stats. So Kentucky only ran the ball for 50 yards total against Miami of Ohio last week. Um, like I said, Levis was all right. He, he ended up with 300 passing yards um, in the stat line. They've got – they had Wandale Robinson last year. They've got a kid to replace him named Tavion Robinson this year who had a big game. He, I don't he, think he's he, as fast he, as Wandale was, though. So, th- this is a weird spot for me. Again, like, these kind of, like, ranked matchups on the primetime games that everybody gets amped up about aren't really where I try and bet because I don't think there's a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida had almost 300 rushing yards as a team last week. So, yeah. You're going to have kind of a clash of styles here. Also, Florida gave up 216 passing, 230 rushing uh, to Utah. So they went for 451, gave up 446. If I had to pick a side, I would lay the points with Florida. I just think, especially with it being a home game um, and early on the Billy Napier area, you're still building some hype. I think the the fans are going to be pretty amped up. It's a night game at the Swamp. Uh, It's going to be hot. I'm not, like I said, I'm not really on the Will Levis train. Um, just yet, but also if Kentucky goes in there and pulls us out, right, I wouldn't really be surprised, but they're going to have to be two dimensional on offense. I don't think they can just go in there and throw all over Florida. Um, so we'll see. I, I would bet Florida here, probably not going to have an official play on it though. Yeah. My official pick, I am on Florida minus four and a half, or when we get to our official cards here in a second. Um, I love the night atmosphere at the swamp. I think that atmosphere is finally coming back. If you remember, I think it was NCAA 2003 or four, I can't remember, but you could have like hit L2 a bunch and your stadium would vibrate. Well, the swamp was number one because you could just dominate folks. I think we're, we're slowly, we're not there yet, obviously, but we're slowly getting back to that area. I think AR 15, the way his ability to extend plays, I think if he was a pocket passer, Utah wins this game, that last game by, you know, a score, maybe 10 points, Uh, his ability to extend plays, draw them out and find that open receiver or, you know, run for that seven quick yards for the first down, I think is just an absolute game changer. And doing that at home against a rival, I, I can't bet against that. Um, again, I didn't watch Kentucky, but just hearing what BCB says and looking at the stat box, I don't think they have it. In, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I think it obviously will be a close game, a great game to watch. Definitely tune in, but uh, we will see how it goes. Uh, go right ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, so uh, so for Miami of Ohio, Blaine Gabbert's little brother, Brett Gabbert, is the quarterback there. Uh, and he actually, he had some plays, he had some plays with his legs against Kentucky, so. Well, for real, okay. Yeah, it's probably good. He, he can scramble a little bit. He's only like 6'1". He's, he's a lot shorter than uh, Blaine Gabbert is, but I think, yeah, like I, I think Richardson, man, he's tough to stop, dude, so it's uh, – it's kind of it's like Jaden Daniels, except more talented, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, there's, yeah. there's an element to his game that's going to be tough. And also, they I really like their running backs, like their offensive line. So, um, I'm the the one thing that kind of worries me is I, I think Kentucky kind of wants to play that physical game, though. You know what I mean? Like, it, I think Kentucky that's going to kind of play to their hand a little bit. But uh, I don't know, man. The Florida's got some dudes. They win this game, they could easily be in the top 10. They're ranked 12th right now. So you're you're about to start the season with back-to-back wins against ranked teams um, if you're Florida. So, like I said, they could be, you know, solidly in that uh, number two spot in the SEC East and, and have a chance to kind of maybe sneak into the playoff if they could get some, get some plays on Georgia, which not confident, but it's out there. I love it. I love it. 
All right. Uh, our third game we want to highlight here, Baylor at BYU. Uh, BCB, I mean, this is your game here. I mean, these are – you watch the – you rewatch the BYU game. You got a bunch of money on Baylor uh, players. Let's hear what you got. I want to hear your analysis to start us off. Yeah, so this comes down to, like, both of these teams are kind of a mirror image of each other. One just has a little bit more talented players, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, both these teams are incredibly well coached. Going to be physical teams. They're both built pretty well up front um, on the offensive and defensive lines. So one thing that kind of worried me about Baylor, again, like I said, the, the insiders had said they weren't really going to throw too much at them, so they probably just played basty. Um, most of the game, but against Albany, they only had two sacks in that game and four quarterback hurries. Mm-hmm. Albany didn't have the greatest offensive line in FCS last year. I think they'd allowed like 35 sacks total for the year. So I thought Baylor should have got after him a little bit more. Um, when I kind of rewatched the game, it looked like they did have some pressure, but uh, on the other side too, Baylor's starting offensive line when they had it in, um, they had some times where the pocket collapsed a little bit on them. So that that does worry me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think Baylor's better at the skill positions than what the preview magazines and thought coming in. They just don't have a lot of experience, but they've got some guys. Uh, worth noting that for Baylor, their strength and conditioning coach is the guy who was the strength and conditioning coach at Florida State when they won a national title. And he was the strength and conditioning coach at LSU when they won a national title. And now he's came to Baylor. Apparently he had some issues. He was kind of like a rising star in the uh, strength and conditioning coach world. Mm -hmm. And he had some issues that kind of set him back. So he found a home with Dave Miranda here at uh, Baylor. And um, they apparently were doing like the, the chip monitoring and stuff. Baylor's Mm -hmm. had like 14 or 15 guys this off season, I think was the number that I read 14 or 15 guys that have ran over 20 miles an hour faster um, in practice. So they've, They've got some athletes. They've developed some guys. Um, now, with that said, BYU's got some dudes, too. So they've got Gunnar Romney, who uh, who might not play, actually. And then uh, the best wide receiver for BYU, um, like I said, Puka Nakala, who his older brother's on the Colts, or at least was on the Colts in the preseason. I think he's on the practice squad now. Okay. Um, both those guys are a little banged up. So if those guys can't go at the skill positions for Baylor, the, or uh, for a BYU, sorry, against Baylor, that's that's going to make me like Baylor even more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, I've been as high on Baylor. Um, I thought the AP poll, they were probably a little overrated. Then I looked after their week one game, mm-hmm. power ratings-wise, a bunch of a bunch of guys that I respect have kind of moved them up into that 8 to 10 range mm-hmm. um, based on that performance. So, yeah, you're going to give me plus 140, plus 145. I'm going to have to take that money here on the 10-15 kickoff. So. Yes, sir. Uh, Larry. What do you got on this game? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I love the 10-15 kickoff. Uh, I'll also be jumping on the um, Baylor money line. Um, but I, I'll probably officially play Baylor plus three and a half. Uh, sprinkle a little on the money line. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so uh, BYU, they had to deal with a three-hour rain delay. Um and during on Saturday against uh, USF, who knows if that mattered? But um, yeah, Jared Hall, they he he was twenty five for thirty two, threw for three sixty one, two touchdowns and an interception. Um, he was better against Baylor last year when they lost in Waco. He threw for three fifty two, but only threw for one touchdown and was sacked five times. 
Uh, so I think BYU has to keep him upright in order for them to have a chance. Um, and I, I do – I don't think Baylor showed anything in that game. I think this – I actually think this is probably a new Big 12 rivalry that's coming. It's brewing. I like uh, that. BYU's coming. They played last year. Uh, what they they lost thirty eight to twenty four in in Waco last year. Um, so I, I I like Baylor, uh, Blake Sharpen. Um, I, they have a ton of weapons. I, I actually don't I don't think they showed much watching the film. Um, I don't think they were doing a whole lot. Um, but uh, I mean. We talked about it earlier. Sharpen's deep ball was real was nice. Um, where I'm not too confident in uh, BYU secondary. Fair enough. And admittedly, these are two teams I was unable to watch last week, but did check out the stat boxes. I'm going to lean on your guys' analysis there, just from the stats and data that you guys put out. Uh, I'm all in on Baylor plus three. That might be my lock of the week. Uh, we'll we'll get to that here in a second. But uh, really love Baylor. Love what they're about. Love shaping at quarterback. Definitely, I got to watch his highlight tape as, real, as well rather than the game itself. But uh, just something that I'll go ahead and my official pick again. I am on Baylor plus three, plus three and a half, whatever you can grab it at. Our final game and probably the most important game, if we're all being honest, the one game that we know each one of you guys have marked on your calendar for about the past five months. The one game that you're blocked off your schedule an hour before, an hour and after the process. Uh, you, you probably thought about driving down or flying to the city to go watch the game in person, but, you know, maybe unable to do so. Let's talk Iowa State at Iowa, the game everyone wanted to talk about. So right now spreads at uh, Iowa State plus three and a half, traveling to Iowa City minus three and a half, over under set at a whopping 41 and a half. So we're, we're expecting a barn burner here. Um, I'll save my pick towards last, but um, – you guys, uh, any thoughts on the game? I know this is kind of my area, my teams, but I just want to get your guys' thoughts, see if you guys had any thoughts or feedback. I'll say this. I'll lead off here. There <laughs> is zero <laughs> chance, zero percent chance that I am laying points with Iowa's offense at this point in my life. They <sighs> So a wild thing, it was like a lot of Iowa's offensive struggles that have come in the recent years, people forget, like, it's the head coach's son who's the offensive coordinator. And now he's also the quarterback's coach as well. So yep. I, I don't know. It, I do not see their problems being fixed uh, from one week to the next. Again, I didn't get to watch the Iowa game. Uh, I didn't, I'll be honest. When I looked at all the games from last week, that was not one that struck <laughs> out to me as one that should be worthy of spending a half hour to 45 minutes to go back and watch. Fair enough. So I laid off of it. Um, I'll tell you, like, Iowa State put up 42 last week against the FCS team that they played. Um, they've got a kid now at quarterback who I actually thought Brock Purdy was holding them back. I don't know. I never understood the love fest with Brock Purdy. Maybe this kid's a little more dynamic. If you're going to give me plus money against Iowa's opponent in this situation, I'm going to take Iowa State and just 
see I, i'm proud i hate to do that i i really hate to put that out there but it's just like a principal pick That's at this point i i don't know that i'm going to get the chance to get plus money against iowa too much this year you're you're a sick person here i think yeah i'm super bad <laughs> not feel good about this <laughs> what do you got larry i agree with bcb i can't yeah, subscribe. No, no, no. <laughs> i'm not i'm not taking i'm not taking Aside, hey. I'm taking <laughs> under 40. I don't under 40. I'm taking Iowa's defense, um, but it's. I mean, it's just. I, it's gonna. I don't know. What 16 to 14? Like I don't know something weird. Uh, yeah, 16 to 14. Iowa wins, but they don't cover. But it goes. I mean, under 40 comes in. <laughs> Iowa's defense. So BCB did mention it. Um, South Dakota State's offense is one of the better in the FCS, um, an actual decent program. Uh, and I was D held them to only like 126 yards. Um, but I was D should do that. Uh, so it's not like uh, they didn't go above and beyond anywhere. Uh, so yeah, under 40, uh, no brainer here in uh, Cyhawk. Dude, you know what's going to be absolutely amazing? Like, the storyline that has potential here okay. is if Iowa just goes on a run this year and somehow wins most of their games by, like, water boy scores, like the SCLSU Mutt Dogs where they're beating everyone, like, 3-0 to zero or 6-0, and all of a sudden they're in the, the Big Ten West at the, end, at the middle Welcome of the my life last year. That was what we did last year. It was amazing. Um, so, yeah, let's start with Iowa State first. Their quarterback – Third quarterback ever uh, in Iowa State history to have their opening debut, throw over for 300 yards. Props to him. Uh, Zayden Hutchinson, their receiver, I think he had the three touchdown catches. Uh, super good guy. Uh, he reminds me of Alan Lazard, former Iowa State player. Uh, they have a, a, an edge rusher that could be their first first-round pick since 1977, I believe the day is, for Iowa State. They haven't had a first-round pick since 1977. Really great talent. And then, obviously – they do well at um, their running back. There was some like Brees Hall shit going on, but no, I, I think we'll see when he actually plays Iowa's defense, how that goes. Uh, tight end solid. Iowa, let's start with the bat, right? Let's start with the bat. I like to like balance it out. Um, we uh, got a notification earlier. Justin Jacobs, our second best linebacker, out. Keegan Johnson, out. He's our probably second or third best receiver. However, questionable is Nico Regani, which is like our um, our Cole Beasley, kind of our slot guy that goes in and out where you don't have to throw deep. He can run and in and out, you know, quick little five-yard slant. That's what Petrus needs. So I'll start with that. The next thing I want to talk about, though, here is this little stat. Somebody says it's under, and BCB went three and a half. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. So that means the score is going to be relatively close. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I don't see any of these teams. Either. These teams getting separation. So, Iowa is nine and zero in its last nine regular season games, decided by ten points or less. Now, if I go through all these games, we cover three and a half outside of a win against Penn State last year, where we won twenty three twenty. We beat Iowa State last year twenty seven seventeen. We beat Colorado State twenty four fourteen. I'm not going to go through all of these, but when we win. Kirk Ferentz does this thing where he knows his team isn't going to, you know, if they do make a mistake, they, they can cover it. If 
but he'll put you down inside the 10 yard line. Let you make the mistake, let you screw up, let us kick a field goal on the 30 after you throw a pick and we can't score. Let us just get the points, chug along, and we'll make the plays to win the game. So that being said, if there was ever any question, I'm going Iowa minus three and a half, and I'm also taking the fucking over 41 and a half. This is where we put the points down. This is where points come into play. Rivalry is going to be there. Barstool Sports is going to be there. I have no doubt in my mind this is where Petrus takes a step up, which isn't a big thing to ask when you had a 1.1 quarterback rating last week. I think uh, our running back, Gavin Williams, protects the ball. That was one of our big problems when we were about to score a touchdown. Gave it up. We don't do that as running backs at Iowa. Our defense is obviously solid. Cornerback uh, secondary. You're not going to get, you know, Xavier Hudson bias. I have no doubt in Iowa minus three and a five. The game opened at minus six, and it's already dropped down to minus three. Give me more points. I'll take it. Go fucking Hawks. That's the fucking name of the game. Go ahead. What, what are, we gonna, are you going to say something? Any, anybody? Any any comments? Go fucking Hawks. All right. Are you hanging out with uh, Brandon Walker? Are you meeting up with him? Trying some gas station pizza this weekend? or? So the game plan was, so last week I had to deal with some shit that I was taking care of. So this week was the week I was, uh, we actually been DMing back and forth where I was going to meet up with him and the crew, just do a little meet and greet. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make that. I'm actually, so funny story. It's actually my mother's birthday every year on Cyhawk week. Oh yes. So I haven't really hung out with my mother for like the past five Cyhawks. So I said, you know what, mom? This is your day. We're gonna we're gonna hang out with you and we're gonna do the thing. That's cool. For sure. Yeah, yeah great. No, I uh yeah, I mean the game's in Iowa too, right? So yep. um yeah. yeah, and you've got the is it, that kid the is he a true freshman for Iowa State, the quarterback? Or is he yeah, a, uh is no, he, no, no. He red shirted last year, so right. he's a freshman red shirt. Or no, he might be a sophomore, but anyways, yeah, he's very, very young. Okay, yeah. So I mean, he's making a making his first start on the road here. Um, so tough game. Yeah, I, it'll be one of those things where I could see uh, Iowa playing a lot better. I mean, they're not probably not going to play worse offensively. Than they, I would they did fucking hope not. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: if they do play worse offensively or same on level, I will finally give up on the Iowa offense. But I think it was kind of just a fluke. I don't think you can consistently do that bad on a week-to-week basis as a D1 Power 5 team. I just don't think it's relatively possible. Yeah, it's almost it was almost too bad to be true. Like, yeah, agreed. Yeah. From that, that standpoint. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm worried about Iowa. If, if, uh, Decker, <laughs> if, Hunter, if Hunter Decker settles in and <clears throat> Xavier Hutchinson, yeah. uh, you're screwed. If, if, yeah, if they do. <laughs> Why they play the games, boys? Yeah, if I was back there playing quarterback with a perfect pocket, I would win too. So I mean, what is, this game's at four o'clock. Probably won't watch any. Of it. No, it's going to be a two thirty game. It's got to be uh, three o'clock, three o'clock central, four o'clock eastern. So yeah, yeah, four o'clock. Like I just fucking said. Well, we don't talk eastern time, dude. That's fake time zone. Country, the country. I mean, the world exists on eastern time zone. That's that's an absolute lie. It goes off Chicago MDT. No, it's New York City, fucking ESD, dude. Chicago has Chicago, what time, what Mexico City, the, Sao Paulo. Bubs, what time does the fucking stock market open? Uh, 8.30. Yeah, based off Eastern Standard Time, you idiot. No, it's 8.30 Central it opens. Nope. 
That's not how things work. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to our cards. I'm going to start with my card first. I have 12 picks this week. Actually, I just want to hear how many picks you guys have before we go through. I have 12. I think I've got like five official plays right now, and then I'll have some out as the, the week goes okay. along. So, um, Twitter account. so, okay, I'll start us off. Uh, my first game, I love Appalachian State with the points. Right now, I have it at plus 16 and a half. I know that number is going up, so I'm going to grab that later on as well. My next pick, I'm going to go FCS as well. I love Georgia State. North Carolina traveling. They barely beat out uh, App State first week. Now they're traveling to Georgia State. Love that game. I know, um, you know, just the fact that they're playing there, Georgia State's uh, solid quality FCS team. Next pick, I got Wake Forest minus eight and a half. That number has jumped all the way to 13. So I grabbed that before Hartman. Um, but so I'll, I'll grab it again because I'm that confident that Vanderbilt cannot put up the numbers. Uh, to compete with, especially a Sam Hartman offense. Uh, next, Wisconsin, 17 and a half. I was impressed. Uh, Jalen Bruin, I think his name is. Solid, solid running back. Dude's only 19 years old. Crazy to me. Iowa, minus three and a half. We talked about that. Florida, minus four and a half. Talked about that. Syracuse, minus 19 and a half. BCB, like you said, was very impressed with what they did. Uh, we'll see what they do at UConn. Uh, Arizona State at Oklahoma State. I like Oklahoma State. Uh, with the point or minus 11 and a half San Jose state at Auburn. That's just an, I hate Auburn pick Baylor money line uh, Fresno state minus a one and a half. I watched the Oregon state game and it was um, it was not too happy. So I like uh, Oregon state traveling to Fresno state. And lastly, Mississippi state at Arizona. I know Arizona has surprised some people, but I like the way Will Rogers has played. So Mississippi state minus nine and a half. Your card is Picks. You don't like my card? It's awful. You're going to start 0 2. Your first two picks are fucking awful, terrible losses. Let me show um, you your card, dude. Go ahead. Georgia State was awful. <laughs> I bet against South Carolina last week. I, I wanted to take Georgia State last week, and now you're going to take them? Wrong time to take them. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, we, we did mention a couple of these earlier. Uh, BCB talked about uh, love UCF Friday night minus six and a half love the bounce house um, I, th I think they're just going to blow Louisville out Louisville uh, at Syracuse last week um, uh, I mean Malik Cunningham was just bad I don't think he's, I mean thought he was good to start the season thought he was going to improve thought he might be a better version of Lamar Jackson uh, I, I mean the bounce house isn't the place to do it um, I think, uh, UCF is going to cover that six, six and a half easily, uh, like it probably all the way up to like nine and a half, uh, second pick UTSA. We also talked about them earlier. Um, this is a play against army and it's a play again for an explosive offense. Um, army just lost to coastal at coastal. Um, UTSA does have to travel to army. But they went into uh, triple overtime, lost against Houston. Um, Army just will not be able to keep up with the playmaking athleticism of UTSA. So UTSA minus two. Next play, Houston plus three. Houston at Texas Tech. Um, I like Houston to win outright. I will be sprinkling on the Houston money line. Also, already have that play in. Um, but Houston plus three. 
to win at uh, Texas Tech. Um, I think they have – they now have a wire-to-wire. They have a comeback road win against UTSA last week. Um, so I think they'll be ready for this. Uh, this next play is a little questionable. I'll say it. Uh, BC plus three at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech lost outright to Old Dominion. BC did blow it and lose to Rutgers. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I think, I don't think, I think BC is better than Virginia Tech. Granted, they have to go to Virginia Tech. Um, but I think BC bounces back here. I think Virginia Tech very bad. Uh, losing outright at Old Dominion uh, week one's tough. Um, that, it's not a bounce back spot for them against the decent Jerkovic and BC. Uh, Baylor plus three and a half. We went into depth about that. I think they're more athletic, have a better quarterback. Um, they need to win in the trenches. Uh, Virginia plus four and a half. I'm tempted to take Virginia money line. I don't even know who Virginia's playing. I can't remember. Illinois. Uh, Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Illinois. Did they let us down and lose to IU last week? Yeah. They, yeah. Well, so, yeah, they had that touchdown, though, where they caught it, and the ref said it wasn't a catch, and I still don't know how that wasn't a catch. So, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm taking the Virginia offense. Uh, I like their quarterback. I like getting four and a half here. Um, I like them at Illinois. Uh, and then I'm going against Bob's Fresno State money line. Uh, Fresno State is a very hard place uh, to go into. Um, I said you Okay, you said yeah. you watched the Oregon State game, but you're taking Fresno. I was not impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By Oregon, who did they? Oregon State beat someone, didn't they? Uh it was a late. I think it was Boise State late night. Yeah, yeah, football. yeah. They, they beat they beat up on Boise State. Yeah, Boise State was real god awful, but Oregon State just on the other side of the ball couldn't do anything either. But go ahead, Larry. Sorry. No, no, no. All right, I'm with. The, I'm riding uh, Fresno State. I don't know how this is a pick them. I don't. I mean, Oregon State's not a team that travels well. I've, I mean, watched them for years. Fresno is a team that plays very well at home. Um, I, I don't know how this to pick them. So, I mean, I, I saw that and love Fresno State. Money line. All right. BCB. All right, let's go. Uh, so we get the biggest play out of the way early, the 730 game on Friday night on three units to UCF there. Like I said, I got five and a half through Caesars. Okay. Uh, so shout out them for having kind of a stale line for some reason. So we're going five and a half and the rest of the world's probably going to get six, six and a half, anything less than a, like seven or less. I would be on that anyway. So um, good on that. Like I said, then noon on Saturday, I've got the uh, Alabama ticket still from last week, minus 15. Going to keep that. We'll let that one ride. Um, probably we'll throw Alabama and some teasers. Don't have an official play on that yet, but I'll put that up um, at some point. I don't have an official play on this, but I'm very looking very closely at it. Uh, this could also be a team that gets thrown into a teaser. Really like the Northwestern minus 10. They've got a home game noon kickoff um, against Duke. So interested to see. Um, that's a number I'll keep watching. I am going to play UTSA uh, minus two. If the money lines are like 125, I'm probably going to take a money line. If I can get like a money line at 125 as opposed to laying the two. Army's a pretty good field goal team and uh, going for two team. They do, do some funny stuff. So yeah. they can do it. I don't, I don't want to worry about a situation where I win by one there and lose the bet. So um, that's going to be, that's going to be on the ticket at some point. 
Um, going down through here, I don't have a play on Appalachian State yet. Still have a little bit of PTSD from last week. <laughs> don't know that I can put myself through watching that defense again. Uh, I won't be able to forgive myself if I'm watching them get gashed. Uh, let's go here. Uh, not going to have a play on it, but a game I'm kind of just going to have on and uh, kind of watch at the bar for fun. Tennessee and Pitt on Saturday should be, yeah. should be interesting. So also don't understand how Colorado is a 17 and a half point underdog at Air Force. So not playing that. Another play, another play that I like here, though, um, we talked about it in the preview episodes. Maryland is a favorite against terrible teams. Uh, Hawaii is easily the worst team in Division One this year. Charlotte's giving them a run for their money, though. They've been blown out twice. Maryland's only laying 27. Uh, Maryland didn't have a great offensive game last week. I kind of view this as a get-right game. Um, Talia, you know, Talia Tagabaloa is going to have no issues throwing the ball down the field. So potentials there. Hopefully that's a game that's like 42-0 at half. Um, Charlotte's pretty banged up too. Like three of their best players are injured, including their quarterback. So don't know if he's going to go. So laying the 27 with Loxley and Maryland there in this spot. Um, terrible game. Great betting game. I'm going to go with uh, the Iowa State on the money line for a unit. I hate to do it to you. <laughs> I hate to ruin the Bubs Bowl like that. Um, it's cool. It's cool. I get it. But, Money's money, man. But uh, so lines, we'll wait to see what they come out. Um, I am the Bowling Green Eastern Kentucky game. Hopefully get that under a touchdown for Bowling Green. We'll see what those numbers come out to. still think they're a little underrated. Um, and then let's go here. Oh, so Liberty, uh, I had it all set up to fade Charlie Brewer. He yeah. breaks his hand in the second series, is out for six to eight weeks. So that money train's gone. So um, Caden, Slater, <laughs> Caden Slater played pretty well in reserve. So there goes my angle on what I thought I had on Liberty. I uh, may jump in on UAB minus six at some point. I'm still looking into that. Okay. Um, see, we're probably going to pass on Ole Miss this week. And I have, let's see here, just a second. Sorry. Oh, uh, so Stanford. Yeah, Stanford. Um, oh, yep. They got the home game, the home night game. Uh, it's an afternoon game on the West Coast, but they've got USC. Uh, I thought the line at 10 was a little soft for Stanford. So, right. however, if they can pull it out or kind of pull an upset here, huge for my futures. We're holding the 90 to 1 Pac 12 championship right. ticket. Fuck so, yeah. um, I was I was tempted to bet USC minus the points. Gonna lay off of it, but uh, that'll be a game I'm watching with intrigue. And uh, I'm actually interested if this number goes to 24 to 23 and a half. Now I'm taking Georgia Southern um, against Nebraska again. There's a team that if you're gonna give me a bunch of points, gonna keep taking it. Uh, Nebraska was in a dog fight with two. There was tied with two minutes to go against North Dakota last week. Um, Georgia Southern, their coach is Clay Helton, formerly a USC. Yep. Their head coach, they also went and got Kyle Vantries, who uh, was a, a decent quarterback at Buffalo for the last few years, has a big arm. So, okay. plus 24, I'm on Georgia Southern in that game. And then going into the late night of the schedule, we're going to have B, or sorry, we're going to have Baylor on the money line. And then also mulling a play on Arizona, Mississippi State. In the very last game, we got 11 o'clock kickoff. So, you got 11, 11 p.m. kickoff. We got 11 hours of football. Uh, shout out Jake Cowan, who I said was one of the best wide receivers in the country. Went for yeah. eight catches, 152, and three touchdowns against San Diego State. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, this seems like a sneaky game because I think Mississippi State's good. And again, the line seems a little short. So <laughs> I'm not sure sure what's going on there. But that, yeah, so we'll, we'll monitor. And then 
Um, as you guys know, I'm about as degenerate as I come, so we'll be checking the FCS lines when those come out on Thursday morning. Hell yeah. All right. Well, folks, you have our picks. Larry, do you got one more thing? What's up? 12 teams. How are we feeling? Love it. Uh, I know you. Uh, I know you're going. Well, I'll say my opinion. I love it. I think the the argument that I love that that makes it make sense for me the most is that games in November, late October are more meaningful. Uh, you know, for the most part, you know, unless it's like a 2007 college football year, you know who's going to be the number one or number two. You have a pretty good idea. If you can move it to 12 teams, um, I think that you know. Uh, Tennessee Kentucky game in late October if Tennessee's in the hunt and you know Kentucky's looking for the upset like I think that makes that game even more meaningful than it already is so I, I'm a big fan I would have hoped for 16 but uh, what do you guys think I thought eight was a better number 12 is fine but I I mean I'm still trying to wrap my head around four buys um, I do have concerns that we're going to see like six SEC teams um I guess that would be my major concern. Uh, I do like what it opens for G5s. Um, I want to see G5 conference winners have a opportunity. Uh, with that said, they, they have to be power fives probably to get that opportunity. Um, it doesn't have to be like Bama's or any of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to see the little dogs out there. But, I, I mean, the little dogs will still get smashed is the only issue. So, Right. Um, it's exciting. Give me more games. Uh, 12 is a hell of a leap. This doesn't start until 2026, so that also pisses me off. I don't know why the fuck I got to wait four years for this. Um, doesn't make any fucking sense why I have to do that. Um, I feel like there will see more conference movement in the next four years before we even see the playoff anyways. Who knows what things will look like. Um, but, I mean, I the NCAA is doing something, I guess. Like, that's a positive. Right. I agree. PCB. Yeah. yeah. So usually I kind of spout my, uh, my <laughs> ideas off on this topic after I've had a few and I get on Twitter and go at some guys and like Josh Pate or Brandon Walker's mentions uh, for no reason other than like, I'm kind of weird Brandon, a little bit of a psycho yeah. sometimes, but <laughs> unfortunately I think, I think it's bad long-term um, for the health of the sport. I'm always wary of people who make decisions for no other reason other than it makes them more money. Like that's hundred percent what this is about. No one did this because they thought it was for the better of the sport. And I'm also kind of, this is going to make me a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, but I'm playing the long game here. I had a conversation with an, with an AD um, at a G5 school when NIL went legal yeah. basically said where it's all headed now is these, they're going to pull away and form like these power five schools are going to pull away and form their own thing, cut the G five guys out. And it's just going to be their own league, probably separate from the NCAA. They already mentioned doing that before they did this. Right. Um, so I think unfortunately what it's going to look like now, you're going to have four major conferences. Um, is where it's all going to after realignment, you're going to have four major conferences. And then that 12 number is awfully convenient because you get four champions who are all going to have a buy. Yeah. And then you're getting eight at large teams that are going to be made up of the big 10 and the sec. So we're going to end up in a system that's maybe 70 teams playing for 12 spots all year. Um, you've devalued the bowl system, which uh, again was a byproduct of, of having a playoff. Now we're devaluing the regular season because you're looking at like Ohio State, Michigan means nothing. Like that game from last year is now just who gets a bye. 
Um, same with like a lot of these conference championship games. I don't think college kids need to be playing 17 games uh, over the course of a schedule anyway, 17, 18 games. The one saving grace is I do like, I do like playoff games on campus. Um, so I'm kind of stoked about that. But eventually what that's going to lead to is like the teams that get buys are then going to want to be able to play a home game. They're gonna be like, why do we have to get a buy and then play a neutral site game? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's all the, it's heading in a direction where it can't go back in the tube. I think the, the college football playoff created a lot of problems that they're trying to fix with expansion. And I don't think it's going to fix it. Um, really at, at the heart of the sport, I believe college football has always been a regular season sport. And then the bowl games were kind of an extension of that. Like, it used to be like that's you remember the Boise State beating Oklahoma that year was so big because it was the the Fiesta Bowl, um, and like you know the little little guy in the in the P six bowls. Now kids don't even play P six bowls, and you're probably going to end up in a spot where if you're the twelfth team and you're if you look at power ratings like between the fifth team and whoever's the twelfth team, probably going to be a fourteen to seventeen point underdog in that game. I don't think it's it's that far out of the realms to see if you're a quarterback who's going to be making 25, 30 million guaranteed in the NFL that you just opt out of that game at some point. So uh, especially if you got NIL money, especially now you got some money in the bank, like right. it is what it is. Uh, yeah. I don't think we're headed anywhere for the long, like great for the long term of the sport. I think people like it for a couple of years. And then afterwards the conversation is going to be, well, let's get it to 16 or some other wacky number that right. people have out there. So um, probably going to be, probably going to be a time where in a few years unfortunately we look back and say if we could have the bcs back we'd take it but the one thing i like what you said there is never trust a person that makes a decision based off money i wholeheartedly believe that never thought about it this way but yeah you can see it that way um all right well folks appreciate your time today we had a good hour and a half for you hopefully you got a lot of good information a lot of good recap i'll get the episode out shortly Appreciate your time today. An exciting week, too. Don't think we'll get week one type levels, but appreciate you listening with us. Let's have a week. Let's win some money. 